Today on Melanated Conversations, we amplify the voice of mental health advocate and author, Akia Red. The daughter of a pastor and wife of NBA legend Michael Red, Akia was diagnosed with anxiety, depression, and an eating disorder. In response to her diagnosis, Akia aims to make mental health an everyday conversation among women and girls within the Black community. As a form of expression, Akia created her own blog, Real Girl Spark, which empowers women to be their most authentic selves. And she also penned her award-winning biography, Be Free, Be You. Tune in as we chat with Akia about overcoming fear, confronting pain, and embracing acceptance in order to live your very best life, as well as her newly released book, Authentic You. Welcome to Melanated Conversations, our narrative from our perspective. Here on the podcast, we are amplifying the voices of Black women and sharing their powerful stories of transformation. I'm Tarian. And I'm Yana. Let's start the show. Welcome, welcome back to another episode of Melanated Conversations. I am your co-host, Yana. And I am your co-host, Tarian. Yes. Welcome back, y'all. We are so, so excited to um, share with you all again today. We have a phenomenal guest on the show today. We want to welcome her, Miss Akia Reed. Red, I'm sorry. Is Akia Red? I like the color, but except for these. So yes. you got it, though. All <laughs> right. Ladies, I'm glad to be here. Yes. Thank, thank you for you. saying yes. Yeah. <laughs> First, come on now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Akia, um, we like to jump straight into it. Um, Actually, we like to play a little game before we jump straight into it. Um, Are you open to playing? Oh, of course. Of course. I'm hoping hoping I'm a competitive person. Okay. So the first one. So we're going to do Thanksgiving sides. Mashed potatoes, candy yams, or dressing. And I'm going to start with Akia. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm such a carb lover, but I'm going to have to say mashed potatoes because the other three, I can't have a Thanksgiving without the other three. Mashed potatoes got to go for a kid. Yep. Okay. Yana, what about you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm a, and you know me, Terry. I'm a potato girl. I'm a, <laughs> right. I'm a potato down, like right. scallop, baked, fried. <laughs> French fry, I don't care. I love potatoes, but for Thanksgiving, yes, dressing is just standard. Like it ain't Thanksgiving right. if there's no dressing. I don't want it. It's just a regular. It's just dressing is not even a side. It's a main dish. Right. Yes, right. <laughs> we don't have dressing, then it's just a regular dinner. It's just exactly. this Wednesday, just a Thursday. It's just Thursday okay. at that point. So <laughs> mashed potatoes, I holler at y'all on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday next week. <laughs> But as for me and my Thanksgiving dinner table, yes. is come on, amen. Cornbread dressing, come on, cornbread dressing. I am with you. Oh, and, and my candy yams. Let's see. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm come here on. for it. And some of the, it got to be good and juicy. So, little juice can slide on down the plate and touch. Of course. Touch the, the dressing and the touch oh, yeah. the, the green. My dressing. Yes. You got a touch and agree. Yeah. Come on. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I'm right there with y'all. Mashed potatoes, you know, like you said, Yana, you can get you can get mashed potatoes, French fries, tot, yes. wedges, whatever you need on any other day of the week. <laughs> Let's do another round. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. TV shows. All right. Oh, Standard man. black TV shows. One has to go forever. Martin, Cosby Show, Fresh Prince, or a- oh, what was the last one? I didn't hear that. World. Oh dang! Oh my god! <laughs> I like that both of y'all are saying like "dang" and "oh my gosh" because that means this is a hard. This is supposed to be well, hard. Technically, be- can the diff can different world exist if Cosby is not a- an option? Oh, You're right. Boy. Okay, Martin Cosby, Fresh Prince, mm-hmm. a different world. A di- oh my god. I know this is hard. This one's hard. 
and they're all great in their own for different reasons in different ways. You got okay, y'all. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna just have to. I'm gonna have to do it. I'm gonna just have to go here and say Fresh Prince. Wow. I mean, and I love love Fresh Prince. Like I love me some Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff. Yeah, Yeah. but I gotta say, I would go to Hillman College. Facts. True, mm-hmm. true, true. I, I, you know, I, yeah. I mean that that shaped my whole like everything when I was growing up. And then Martin Shanene, yeah. I yeah. mean all the characters, yeah, yeah. All the, everybody. So I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Fresh Prince, love you, but I, you got, you got to go for me. Okay, Ooh. Fresh Prince is out, Yana. Oh, what about you? My sides <laughs> hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so listeners, I was forced. This Tarion gave us this question first and foremost, so blame her. Wow, okay. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go something totally off base. And I'm going to give y'all my reasons why, because it's the only thing I can think of, because I don't really want to get rid of none of them. I'm probably going to say Cosby's. Okay, and I'm going to tell you why. (laughs) I am having a heart attack over it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Only okay, reason explain, I say that, please. which is hard because, you know, like I said, different world comes from the Cosby. So how do you get rid of the Cosby's if you, anyway, I'm thinking about my teen tween self. Okay. I didn't really start watching the Cosby show until I became more of an adult, more so than as a really? Oh, really? Yeah, so I didn't really watch I didn't really watch the Cosby. I don't re- recall watching the Cosby show as a kid. Now Different World is a different story. I did watch it. But like Fresh Prince and Martin, all those are like tied directly to my childhood cuz I'm watching them and I can like go back to a place like I know where I was, I know how it felt, I know what I was where like I can like It's nostalgic. It's, for yes. You. Yeah. Cosby yeah. is more as I became you know, an adult. So that's the only okay. reason. It has nothing to do with solely the content or the quality of the show at all. Uh-huh. It's just more so just thinking back to when I started watching each show. Makes sense. Got it. Got it. That was so hard for me to say. I know everybody. Man, that. that hurt me. <laughs> don't, y'all, don't at me in the you comments. Scratch on me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess it's my turn to answer this. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Akia. I'm definitely not getting rid of the Cosby Show. I definitely grew up watching, like, uh, same thing, A Different World, definitely played a huge impact. You yeah. know, like, okay, like, we, we can do bigger and better things. Yes. And just, you know, having that um, being shown on TV was great. Um, Fresh Prince or Martin? So it's between Fresh Prince and Martin for me. Ooh. Actually, growing up, um, I wasn't necessarily allowed to watch Martin. I would catch episodes here and there from my wedding Avenue. I was raised by my grandma. She just was not having No, it. I'm like, laughing because Key, I don't know if you know that me and Terry and our first cousins. Um and oh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I should have been watching Martin, but I watched a lot of Martin as a kid. It's crazy I watched Martin that I didn't watch the Cosby show. Cosby show. That is very yeah, that's interesting. But keep going, keep going. Oh, but I, for whatever reason, I still knew about Martin. I mm-hmm. saw episodes here. So it really hasn't been until I got into my 20s. Um, and then I was able to like sit in my really, 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 really like watch the episodes through and through. So I'm going to say Martin. The characters that he played um, yeah. in on that show I mean I, I feel like um who was probably more a trailblazer of playing characters was like Eddie Murphy did a yeah. lot of that he does does that in his movies he plays multiple characters yep um but then Martin was able to like bring that into sitcom tv and then you see other people starting you know Tyler Perry's and things like that yeah I hate to do it because I watch Martin religiously especially now yeah. when it's in you know it's in syndication I watch it all the time and my husband's like why why do you watch the same show <laughs> over and over again but um if, if, if one has to go it's gonna be martin i like how I we had all martin different show. answers but it was all <laughs> so hard for each it was such a, it was so hard. such a hard question and i have to admit i mean let me just be honest like i'm a preacher's kid sure. so i wasn't supposed to be watching martin 
but I was <laughs> sneaking in mom and dad's bedroom when they were downstairs watching Martin turning it way down low, right. uh, <laughs> trying to trying to keep trying to keep my laughter quiet. So right, I you know I can definitely understand what you're saying. So I watched it anyway. So this is my confession. <laughs> I will say this though, to your point, Fresh Prince, you know what, one favorite, and I hope I'm not mixing my sitcoms up, but one of my favorite episodes was um, when Tevin Campbell came to her birthday party. Yes. The yes. Birthday. yes. One of my favorites. Yes. One of my favorites. So it, that is a really good, that's a memorable episode. That really yes, is. Yes. That was when he was, you know, it was hot. And, mm-hmm. you know, right. You felt like he was singing to you. It was mad at Ashley because Tammy Campbell came to the house and saying, hey, well, who yes. brought on the, out of those four sitcoms, who brought on the most guests? I think it was between Fresh Prince Ooh. and Martin, I would say. Right. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Was Living Single but on the you list? Know what? No, no, it, it wasn't on you know what the car on Nancy Wilson? They brought on a lot of guests, but the, yeah, they brought on like those greats. Yeah, yeah. Lou Armstrong. Yeah. Like they brought on people like mm-hmm. that. That's that's a good question, y'all. Yeah. I, I would agree. It probably is between Martin and Fresh. I don't know. Different World brought on a lot of people too. They did, and they were like part of the show. They were either professors or yeah. Yeah, like they were themselves. It's so but, yeah. true. All right. Well, that was so much fun. I wish we could keep. Yes, I wish was. we could just have like a, a show of just games I, today. I, <laughs> I know I did more, but yeah. <laughs> but we want to make sure that our listeners get to know you more and all the great work that you're doing, Akia. So, kind of walk us through a little bit about your story. What are your roots? Can you share us here a little bit? Uh, absolutely. Um, ago, uh, I'm a pastor's kid, or as we call it in the church world. Um, and I um, have strong, strong roots in Pentecostal um, church. And I um, went to Christian school my entire life. Uh, so very sheltered. And as you know, growing up in that type of environment comes with um, some negative things too. There are a lot of that are placed on you. Um, and in my case, you know, growing up, I didn't necessarily like see um, behavior modeled before, um, that was preached. So it was, you know, a very kind of thing and it was very crazy making for me and gave me a very complicated relationship, church relationship with God, relationship with my father. Um, so it caused me to have um, mental health issues of um, depression and anxiety and an eating disorder. And I have been, I've struggled with that probably since I was a little girl, but I wasn't diagnosed until roughly four years ago. And I think part of the reason why I went undiagnosed for so long was just because in the religious community and then even more so in the black community, mental health is just not something that we talk about. And if you're a black Christian, you really don't talk about it because it's something that you need to trust God to believe that it will get better. And um, it's not really a normal thing to, to discuss. And so I didn't even know that anxiety disorder or depression or any of that was a thing. Um, the only thing I thought health was, was, you know, my quote unquote crazy, you know, uncle living in the room um, in great grandma's house and you just don't talk to him. Um, you know, so it was never normalized. And so that had, you know, really played a part in why I never really expressed anything that I was struggling with. And so I have this saying that I live by. And if, if you don't deal with life, life deals with you. So about four years ago, life dealt with me. Everything that I had suppressed as a kid that I had seen as a child, some childhood trauma, just all showed up on my doorstep. And I had a nervous breakdown. And that was the first one that I had ever had um, in my life. And 
it forced me to go and get help by my doctor to take medication, to seek consistent therapy. And that was very diff- difficult and different for me being an African-American woman who has strong roots in the church. And so that is what got me to start advocating and being an activist um, in the mental health field uh, for in particular black and brown women. So, you know, that's a really interesting question. Um, I will have to tell you that there were a couple of times um, before I actually had the nervous breakdown that I noticed um, my reactions and responses to things were not probably like typical of, you know, someone who doesn't have anxiety or whatever. Like I knew that there was issue, a deeper issue. Right. Mm -hmm. And there were things that would trigger me that, you know, if I didn't have that issue, it probably wouldn't trigger me, but I didn't know enough. And it wasn't dire enough, if you will. And it it was just to me very normal because that was how I always behaved because I've always had the problem. So when I finally, like, it was not even, I have to tell you, it wasn't a choice. I didn't even have a choice because I couldn't even function. I got into the point where my body was physically shutting down. I mean, I couldn't do anything without crying. I was, you know, doing my daughter's hair and my hands would be trembling. So I couldn't even put her little pigtails in without my hands shaking. Um, You know, it had gotten to the point where I had probably gone without sleep for, you know, 24 hours at a time, sometimes because I was just having panic attack um, every night um, in the middle of the night. So there was not really an alternative, another alternative for me not to deal with it. And, um, so I didn't have a choice. I mean, it literally that particular day that I had drove myself to the doctor, it was because I hadn't slept for 24 hours because I kept having panic attacks and my adrenaline had gotten so high. My blood pressure was, um, at stroke level to where, you know, I physically was feeling, you know, when you get to that point, you are physically like ill. So, it was physically affecting me. And I thought I actually had like some kind of sickness. I didn't even think it was anything mental health related. So that was why I went to the doctor. And when the doctor actually told me that it was anxiety disorder, I was just like, oh, what? what? Right. That's the thing? So yeah, I mean, that that's how I actually went and got help. If it would not have gotten that dire, I probably, to your point, wouldn't have even dealt with it. Yeah, it's... And I think that's another thing, too, because it goes back to your statement about how, you know, realistically in the black community, mental. Thankfully, we're now seeing on trend that, you know, we are being more receptive and open to the conversation around our mental health. But before, you know, we started entering this period of time, you know, we didn't know the warning signs. We didn't know like what that looked like. We didn't like you said, if we kind of like lumped it with something really far off, like. I don't want to say using the word crazy, but in our mind, that's how we, (laughs) right. That's how we kind of like, you know, coined it as you being the one that was just crazy. And, you know, even like some of like the mild symptoms and how, when you don't address those, how they basically, I think of it like a snowball, like Mm -hmm. it just continues to build and build and build and grows until we get to that breaking point. Like you had, like where it starts to, bleed through us physically um so kind of when you were kind of you you talked a little bit about it but when the doctor was telling you you know and and diagnosing you with um general you say it's general anxiety disorder yeah it's called neuralized anxiety disorder or GAD is what it is short for what was going through your mind in the moment and how long did it take you actually to really process and really accept like this is because even <laughs> I can I mean I, I can't assume on your behalf but just knowing myself yeah. if I'm hearing stuff like that I'm, it may take me a minute to process I'm like no I think I just having you know just some bad bad day or yeah. like I don't I don't know if it's 
it's to that point. But how, you know, how did, how long did it take you to accept it and really move forward to, you know, getting yourself on track um, for seeking the help that you needed for your mental health? So I'm about to tell you something that's like going to shock y'all. I probably like for real, for real, didn't accept it for a good six months. I went ahead and got the treatment because I was suffering so bad. Like I, when he told me that it was anxiety disorder and he said, and I'm going to prove it to you. He says, cause in two days, he says, you're going to call me back and you're going to say, no, I think it's something else. Mm. And so I called him back two days later and I was like, no, I, I, it's something else because I had developed this, um, this tremor that I would like, I was very shaky inside. And so no one else could see the shakiness, but I could feel it. So like my body internally, um, was like vibrating and it was very disruptive, like I, it to, to everything. And, um, and so that it made me think that actually I had like MS or like something like that because I actually have a friend who does have that. And so I was, muscles were twitching. It was the weirdest type stuff that I had never experienced in my life. And so I went ahead and said, okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to believe him. Okay. Let me just, what do I have to lose? Okay. I'm going to go on this medicine. I'm going to go talk to somebody on a regular basis. Um, and I don't have anything to lose really. So if it's, if, if that, I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll find out. And so once I actually went into therapy consistently and was talking to the therapist and actually started uncovering some things and some really showing a lot of evidence for why that's what it was, that actually helped me come um, to the acceptance of what it, you know, of what it was. Um, however, like it was still, it's, it was still hard. It was still hard that, you know, I had to rely on taking a pill every day just to function like in a, you know, in a normal quote unquote, whatever normal is way. Um, and you know, that has come only with time you know, that I, that I take medication because there was so much shame in that. Because even when I would tell my mom and other people at first, that was very stigmatized. Like you got to take crazy pills basically. Mm. Yeah. You know, and why are you letting them poison your body like that? And, you know, or, you know, to be honest with you, you first sometimes before you get back taking those drugs and that's what turns people off mm. from taking them. And so when I would complain about the side effects, they would be like, oh, you need to get off them drugs. You need, they're messing you up. They're messing your mind up. They're messing your mind up. You're going to be crazy. And I just had to trust. Honestly, I had to just trust my my intuition, know that that was the path that I had to take. And I'm glad I did because I am, you know, 100% recovered. Do I still take medicine? Yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm doing so much better than I was. And not only that, you actually served as like you were like the torch for, say, your family or friends or people mm-hmm. looking at looking at you um, because they haven't experienced that. And, you know, you fought through um, a lot of and that's I'm sorry if I'm jumping in a little bit, but I think that goes another that's another thing that is harder for black people to pursue mental health um, assistance is because it's like you're fighting multiple battles. Like you're fighting a battle within that you're trying to work within yourself, but you're also fighting external battles with the people around you that, that they want to be supportive, but they're it's, it's so um, taboo in our Mm -hmm. uh, world that Mm -hmm. they don't know. And they don't know that they're sometimes kind of like, contributing to the issue sometimes. So I think that adds layers and sometimes most people maybe don't see to the other side because it becomes too much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why I try, you know, on my platform 
to really normalize conversation. I'm mm-hmm. very accessible through direct message. Um, I am one of those people that do, you know, that that I, I do check them often. I mean, it's above my pay grade. I will definitely, you know, direct whomever to, you know, the resource that I think best suits them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you're you're so right because I have a house full of people. You know, I have two kids. I have a husband. I have a mom, brothers, all of that. Yet when I was going through my recovery, um, I felt so lonely Mm -hmm. because of the very thing that you're talking about, because I just didn't think that anybody, they just didn't understand. They didn't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, First of all, uh, Akia, thank you so, so much for being so interesting. I know you said, you know, earlier, I'm an open book, but, um, you know, we we have this platform to be able to for women to share their stories. And so this is an extremely important uh, conversation that we are having today. And the fact that you're able to, you know, really lay out the fact that, you know, this isn't something that this was a, a an extreme it was a struggle for you even in just seeking out the help and even once you did just really trying to process that and sometimes people don't even think about the other side of how family may you know respond to your treatment and all that and you know I'm a firm believer in like God's sovereignty from the standpoint of you know when we experience things um and how and and honestly um you know even just within the last year understanding it from the perspective of the things that I've experienced in my life or that other people experience in their lives and how God uses those struggles to impact other people and so I want to kind of go move forward right and and let's talk about from your personal struggles, how you've been able to trailblaze and start to help other people and young girls. Um, you have a blog called Real Girl, which was like a zinger. <laughs> Me and Yana read that. We was like, okay, this caught my attention. Okay. Yes. Like, I love it because <laughs> what there are no lies told there. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> FAR actually stands for Fearless Authentic Rescuer, right? Trailblazer. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And so in your blog, Real Girls Fart, um, you journal about your discoveries in therapy and your path to healing. Can you share a little bit more about your yeah. blog and um, how it helped, uh, how it led to you pinning actually your first self-help award-winning biography title? Yeah. Um, so I really, when I started blogging, it it was just a a desire in me, I think to really one, put it out there and, you know, use it as a way of another way to, or helping myself. Writing has always been something that has healed me in a sense. Um, it's just been a, a talent that God has given me to be able to express my thoughts and things. So, you know, then it turned into when I started putting it out there, there were so many people that would um, email me, respond back to what I would write and say, thank you so much for talking about this, because this is stuff that I'm experiencing on a daily basis. And nobody that looks like me is talking about this. And I, I'm a Christian and I feel like, you know, I don't have enough faith or I've just given up. And so I just kept writing because I knew that I wasn't the only one that was going through um, what I was going through. And as I kept writing, I said, you know, because this is helping and touching so many people, you know, what if I just go a little further and I write a book? And talk about, you know, life as um, a preacher's daughter, you know, um, wife as an MBA wife, um, like for real, you know what I mean? Like in, in not the TV kind, I mean, right. we like what that's like, you know, to be in that, in that light and be so insecure about yourself. Mm. Um, and, you know, just what if I just lay it all out there? And just take that risk. And so that's what, you know, led me to to do that. And the acronym actually is 
those are four words that resonate with me so much because those are four things that I actually, you know, had to live out in telling this story and in walking this path every day. Every single day, I am reminded of the four words in my acronym, mm-hmm. um, and and I live them out. And for me, that's truly important um, that I live a life that's very open, that's very authentic. And that's very real and relatable to people. And so that was why I chose, you know, those words and turning something negative and taboo into something that is positive and that you should be comfortable in saying. Yes, I yes. love it. I love that. Um, as you were talking, Terry was kind of giving me the <laughs> eye. <laughs> Um, cause a lot of, well, we, we both resonate with you on so many levels. Um, yeah. but I personally, um, actually like we're like three years out now. Um, I, um, had, uh, I, I went through about a depression myself. It was real intense. Um, my mother was, um, my mother and my dad both had some extreme diagnosis as well as myself and things were kind of going south with work at the time. So it was just so many layers. And like you said, also, I think contributing to a lot of things with black women is that sometimes it's, it, it, it's so many layers for us to peel because we already have to kind of mount to this, superwoman complex mm-hmm. and the savior and being the strength and the and, and the backbone of the family and so sometimes I there was a struggle there that I had to go through of you know allowing myself to feel mm-hmm. um and not always go into save mode mm-hmm. because I found that you know so often that you're pulling away from yourself and I think a lot of that feeling that you kind of avoid mm-hmm. really deepens as you get deeper into the depression. And then yeah. when you get to the point where you get your feeling back, it's just, oh my God, <laughs> it's yeah. like a volcano yeah. erupting. So um, h- how I kind of got over a little bit on the other side was that I I love to write. So I, I, I wrote a lot of things and mm-hmm. I kind of shared along my journey too. So um, just hearing you and how um, you're helping women with your blog and um, and sharing your, your narrative. I think that's so important for so many of us is when we can get to a point where we're comfortable enough and being transparent and really truly uh, being authentic in our experiences. I think that's how we can slowly build this wall down of, you know, this being such a taboo topic to talk about because we see each other, um, we see each other's pain because we may have lived it or experienced in our own way too. Yeah. Um, And when we talk about from the vantage point of faith in the church and a lot of times where people, you know, you know, they start to play this, this kind of gymnastics back and forth being like, well, if, if I say that this isn't a problem or this is an issue, then my faith is not strong mm-hmm. enough, da, 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 da. And, and they begin to believe what I truly believe is a lie, yeah. um, opposed to being vulnerable. I think we see so many times in scripture. I mean, even Jesus to the point right before he's about to be crucified, he has this moment where he is in agony, mm-hmm knowing uh, the death that he had, he ultimately has to face yeah. um, out of obedience, but he didn't want to necessarily have to do that. The, that. That human part of him was like, Lord, if this is like, if if you would let this cup pass from me, like, can we find a different way to do right. this, but not my will, your will be done. And we see the perfect example of the perfect person being in a moment of like, I don't really want to do this. Um, I'm struggling here, being vulnerable, talking to the father. Um, And I think that that's a perfect example for us to, you know, when we're in moments where we're struggling or feeling, you know what I mean? Not understanding something or being in, you know, in our anxiety and our depression. And, you know, Satan wants to be like, 
<laughs> your faith ain't what you thought it was. It's like, no, that's a lie. And I can be vulnerable and, and sit in this, but, and I can just take it to the father and say, Lord, I, I can't do this. Yeah. I don't understand what's going on. Like I, like I need you to help me with this because that's ultimately what he is there to do. He's there to help us with and that's where our faith comes into practice is being like being vulnerable enough to take hands off of the situation and give it over to the Lord and allow him to give us wisdom, knowledge to seek professional help and all those things. But you know what I mean? I think it's a it's a lie. A lot of times that people in the church believe it like, see, you a faith ain't strong enough. All this other stuff when it's really about what Yana said and what you know what I mean about being vulnerable at the end of the day um, and not trying to control it because ultimately that does make it worse when we're trying to harbor all that stuff for ourselves. Yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yana. No, 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 no. I'll say this real quick and then we can move on because I know we can sit in this for a while. <laughs> no, but even adding a layer to that and sometimes, you know, going to God means that he is bringing or putting or placing you in a setting to where you're surrounded about around with people, professionals, doctors that Absolutely. are trained in this area to assist you along in this journey. Um, yes. And like you said, Akia, it could be, um, it could be medication. It could be, yeah. you know, just some type of, you know, therapy that may not be may not seem natural to you but is something that mm -hmm. could be part of what is needed for this and needed and necessary for your journey so um absolutely yeah, yeah. I, you know I've I have found myself you know telling um telling people you know I I have heard and I have seen you know stories of you know other people who are you know Christians and they have gone and they've answered um a prayer line, they have been completely freed of depression and anxiety. For me, the Lord did not um, do it that way. Um, yeah, you know? yeah. And I, I believe um, that this, this cup affliction, um, I have it so close to me because of what I am doing and it's a part of my purpose and you know, how, how he is choosing to use me to show up in the world. And had I would have not gone through and suffered the way that I went through and suffered, um, this would, this was not something that I chose. It chose me. And so that is, you know, why I tell people that, you know, sometimes we, we need prayer. Sometimes we need a prescription. Sometimes we need prayer and a prescription. And so to allow the Lord to use whomever, whatever, for however long. And, um, and that's what it means when you say, not my will, but your will be done. And whatever that is, and to really just be truly living a laid down life and truly be surrendered to the the plan and the purpose of God for your life, no matter what it looks like. And um, that was that was and is the decision that I have made to live by then and now and for the rest of my days. No, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Cause that's definitely someone needed to hear that. <laughs> um, as we're still sharing about um, the, all the great things that you're doing and all the work that you're doing. Um, you also know that you have a foundation um, yeah. called, for, um, is it real girls foundation? Yeah, it's, it's called the real girls foundation. Um, it's, it's a newer foundation, just, um, it is, um, you know, young women are really near and dear to my heart. I mean, I, I love women, period. Just, you know, empowering and inspiring women. Um, but teenage girls, um, if we, we look at the statistics and mental health and it, you know, really starts to peak between 12 and 14. And so just um, a week ago, my second book, Authentic You, um, launched or released, and it is specifically for tween teen girls. And I have a very candid conversation with, with them in that very short book about, you know, all the things that I wish I would have had somebody to talk to me about when I was a teenager, a teenager. And so 
one of the reasons why I started the foundation is because it is my goal and my desire to um, make a um, make a curriculum from Authentic You, um, and that will be the curriculum that I take the the girls um, that you know become a part of this group that I'm going to pilot, um, and I'm actually going to be the one pouring into them and mentoring them. So it's just really a way that I can give back to, you know, young women. It's just really a passion in my heart to do. I love that. Oh, me and Taryn was over here like, we got, yes. we got girls. How, how, oh, yes. and how old are you taking it? How we signed up? Right. Right. <laughs> <Do your> first- <laughs> oh, go ahead. How we doing this? <laughs> yeah. I, but listen, I mean, I, I can never have enough um, help. I'm always, I was just talking actually to um, a couple of people that have been kind of working with me on, you know, the the grassroots kind of things. Um, you know what it takes to get that kind of stuff going. And I was saying like, you know, I, I want these girls to be introduced to such powerful, positive influences. Um and my goal has always been when I started the blog, when I wrote the book, and now with the foundation is that I am not the voice. I am a voice, right? And so if I can open up the door and, you know, provide seats at the table for other women to come and, you know, pour into these other young women that are ultimately our future. Yes. Um, you know, that is, I I believe that that is, you know, a a part of the the bigger plan is, you know, that we, um, kind of just keep paying it forward. And in that way, I believe that that's how we are blazing the trail. Got it. Is this just unique to, are you starting like in a specific area or is this going to be like nationwide? Well, I, I mean, my hope is, I mean, of course I'm like, you know, the dreamer. So my hope is that that it is nationwide. I am in Columbus, Ohio. So, you know, of course, like where I piloted, however, you know, that being said, like, I think that if there's enough interest in another area, um, I'm, I'm open, you know, to, to, to having a, a version of there and, um, You know, I'm just so passionate about just getting it out there and just helping our kids because these girls, um, they need it. They need it so much. Yes, absolutely. When I say tugging at me and Terrian's heartstrings right now. Like all well, the- I mean, we'll make sure we keep in touch and um, please. Yeah, we can exchange emails and, you know, and definitely I can keep you in the loop and you can you know, we can figure it out. <laughs> Absolutely. Because everything that you're saying are the things that Terry and I talk, because we both each have two girls um, of our own. It's just, I will say it can be difficult navigating as a parent, as um, especially a parent of black girls, because there's so many things that you don't, you want to show them the way, um, but you want their view to be different from your own. Yeah. I mean, the conversation that you and I had the other day, as far as like, it's okay to be independent thinker. Like we want to lay out ground rules. We want to lay solid foundation for you. Um, We're not going to always get things right. Um, And, and, you know, the things that they're being exposed to, obviously using good caution and um, always remembering their roots and their foundation at the end of the day, but also not being like, literally do is like don't stray away from what like yeah do what exactly what we say we want them to be independent thinkers because I think at some point even for us growing up there were moments where it was like you don't have an opinion oh yeah we don't want that (laughs) oh yeah we don't want that to happen so yeah no I mean you know what I have a I have one daughter um and one son Mm -hmm. and a lot of the believe it or not, I mean, even with my son, my son is 13. So a lot of, you know, the, the content that I put in authentic you and, you know, and my daughter will be 10 next week. And so the things even that they experience at nine and 10 years old, the things that, you know, my son comes home and tells me, um, and, 
it's just they're experiencing things a little differently than we did just because they have, you know, social media. I am not sure how old your girls are, but my, I have a very strong and, and teenagers and teenagers typically don't love me when I say this, but um, I have a very um, strict policy when it comes to social media mm-hmm. and um, young people. Mm-hmm. And um, my kids know that they are not allowed to be on social media until they're 18. And I only say that to them because their brains are not developed enough. And so, um, you know, my, my kids and I, we have a lot of conversations that are very open. I've been very open with them about my mental health journey. They understand probably definitions of things. They have language for things that their friends don't necessarily have. And so that was, I think for me, every kid has a parent that is willing to go there with them mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. talk to them and to tell them the truth. I've made the decision to say, okay, well, then I'm going to write a book about it. And then also, you know, I'm going to have this foundation and I'm going to have, you know, an opportunity for these girls to learn about things. And so, because my goal is if we can heal the kids and get them right, then we won't keep perpetuating this generation after generation of dysfunction, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, we could go there, right? I mean, we could talk about this, you know, for hours, but um, yeah. I really do think that this is a huge part of, you know, helping the moms, which are around my age, and then helping the, the children, which are around, you know, my kids' ages. Right. Love it. My oldest daughter just turned 10 last week. So, um, Am I older? So then you understand. <laughs> yes. Yana's oldest is 10. So yeah. <laughs> and she, oh, and you have a girl. So she's a 13 year old girl. Yeah. Yes. When I said there's Leia's there, that's why I was like, how can we sign up? Right. Oh, I, mean, I got one now that needs to sign up for the family. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's so good. That's so good. And so needed. Thank you for that. Um, yes, please let us know how. Yeah, can. absolutely. Um, I will make sure that you we um, email and stay in contact. Perfect. Absolutely. Perfect. So my next question for you is in doing this work, um, how do you find balance in maintaining a scope of awareness of your own mental health um, needs also while assisting other women in their through their dark uh, and difficult moments? That's That's got to be tough. How do you balance that? It is tough. And you are brilliant asking that question. So thank you, because um, that is actually not a question that I get a lot. Um, And it's very important when you are an advocate and an activist, especially in the social justice arena or um, anything like this stuff that we're talking about. Um, I make sure um, that I still stay in therapy, believe it or not. Um, And that is because I have a tendency to um, struggle with what I call compassion fatigue. And basically what that is, is um, I'm an absorber. I am extremely empathetic. I am like a sponge. Big facts. Yes. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. Yanni and I are both over here. You're an empath. Yeah, I'm an empath. 100. Yeah. See, so this is what's crazy. I don't mean to get... So I'm not trying to get like you know, super spooky or deep or whatever. You can edit it out, but I am going to no. put this. I'm going to just tell you how to do Sure, go ahead. So I have, I'm an empath. If I, if, okay. And then on, I took the um, Enneagram um, test. I'm also a number eight, which is a protector. So I'm very, yeah. So I'm very justice driven. So I'm an empath. I'm justice driven. And then on top of that, you throw a lot of bit of discernment in there that you have, you know, just from, you know, that gift of, you know, that, that God gives you, you know, I call it discernment. Other people may call it intuition. So I have those three things. That's the perfect storm and I'm an absorber. And so I pour every ounce of who I am and what I am into the work that I do. 
if I am not doing things that fill my cup, will deplete very quickly. And so what I have learned is that what is like, I am a vessel, right? And what is inside this vessel, inside this cup, which is me, is for me. So if I don't keep myself completely fit and I start dwindling down and I start giving people what's inside of me and not the overflow, then I'm in trouble. Hmm. So that's, you know, that is how um, I maintain sanity, you know, in, in what I do. No, that's good. Especially to have that kind of self-awareness too, to know um, all the things that make up and that that you have to be very intentional about Mm -hmm. uh, how, you know, how you stand in a room, because like you said, as a, as an empath, you absorb everything. It's so hard not to um, take on that those emotions. You can be far away. I can see <laughs> something on the news. You're like, oh my gosh, you think that <laughs> it was my cousin that passed. Yes. But it's just like, yes. I don't know. It's just, you feel so deep and you, it's, it's almost kind of, I don't want to call it a double-edged sword because it's, it's a good thing to have because you know, you feel and you have empathy. I feel. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But absolutely. sometimes when you don't have control of that, ooh, mm-hmm. it can control you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Big it make you sick, big like facts. physically sick. Yes. Yeah. I think yeah, I, definitely. when I tested, I was a three. I forgot what that is. What is it? Do you know what it I is? I can't remember what my, the my wings are. Uh, who's a three? No, I asked no, you, no. I said, what is a three? Um, the achiever. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You definitely. Need to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I feel like the eights. Don't the eights go to? Don't the eights go to a two when they're stressed? I'm trying to see uh, what the wings are for. Yeah, I think so because the threes go so. to. I know a three goes to a nine. So yeah, it should be eight. Yeah. When yeah, you're, I think yeah. the eights go to a two when they're stressed. Yes, you're right. Yeah. So, yeah. If y'all are lit to our listeners, if you don't know what that is, it's called the Enneagram. I think it's E N N E A G R A M. Yeah. Super like thin, easy, like short read. Like you just read how to do it and then you get the test. It's really pretty cool if you're yeah. honest with yourself, right? Mm hmm. Actually, I actually just lied. I am not an eight, I'm a nine. Oh, I what is it? Of a one wing. Peace, it's a peacemaker. It's close to the justice peacemaker. Um, I do procrastinate a lot. That is me. Yes. They also kind of have like a sloth type of, that sounds horrible, <laughs> but I'm pleasant, peaceful, generous, patient, receptive, diplomatic, open-minded, empathetic at my best. I'm going to wear some space out, forgetful, stubborn, obsessive, <laughs> uh, passive aggressive, judgmental, and unassertive. Well, there's a light and dark side to all of us. So that's oh, of course. That's and those things are very, very much true. Right. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, listen, I actually is so funny because I actually thought I was a nine. Like what you just read off is what I actually thought I was until I actually took right. the test. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> that's why I think the nine, the eight and nines, they kind of they cross each other a little oh, bit. Um, yeah. And I was like, no, I'm actually nine. Yes, I could see that. But, I could see how that but would big. Happen. Definitely, we all have big em- empathetic en- yeah. energy. That is for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, before we um, go into our kind of wrap questions, I had one final question I wanted to ask you. And that's for any of us listening. What would be your one piece of advice based on your personal experience that you can offer to someone who may be on the fence of seeking care for their mental health? Like how can one move past that shame and seeking help? I love that you asked that question. I want to answer that by saying, we all know like maybe the story of Tarzan, right? And Tarzan, he, in order for the next vine to appear that he was, that he was waiting for, he had to jump off of the one he was on. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, in our lives, like for me, I had to have that Tarzan like faith and just trust like midair. I was so scared of what was going to come. 
but midair that next vine appeared and the help is just on the other side. Really all you can do is just jump off. Like there is no dipping your toe in, there is no kind of doing it. You have to go all the way there and you have to be willing to be unsure of what's on the other side. And in that moment of uncertainty, that is when you will find clarity. And so just do it. Find your one. The next find will appear. There are better days ahead. Mm-hmm. I promise that. Recovery is not linear. So it's not going to be in a straight line. You're going to have ups and downs and all arounds and in-betweens, ebbs and flows. And being patient with yourself in that time frame, knowing that you're going to mess up. But just because you take three steps forward and you may take one step back. So be patient and it will all work out. Yes, I I love I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of taking that question to the next level. What would be a piece of advice that you would offer to someone that is supporting like family or friends that has someone that is going through, how can they be more supportive um, individuals, partners in helping someone navigate through this journey? People don't want to be fixed. They want to be seen Mm. and they want to be heard. Listen more than you speak. Be curious. When you are speaking, make sure that you're asking questions. And If you kind of feel like that person, um, whether it's a friend or family member, is hesitant to open up, um, try to be vulnerable and share with them a moment or a time when you maybe felt the way that you think that they're feeling. Because I think that people are more apt to share their experiences when they know that you've got some skin in the game. And you're willing to share your scars, right? I mean, people, I think, benefit more from me showing my scars than my trophies. Oh, that's a shirt, girl. Put that on there. (laughs) 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 And I always say this, too. You know what? I actually, I just, um, I feel like I was just on Instagram and I actually just responded to someone about, I think, a or no, I saw a post and it was, you know, it was this edited text and it was like um, a picture of a text where, you know, the person was talking about, Hey, talking to a friend, like, Hey, I'm sorry. I haven't texted you back. And there was like all of these um, lines that the person had edited out with like a yellow marker through it. And it was basically, you know, them trying to come clean and tell their friend or tell their family member, like the reason why I haven't called you is because I've been so anxious. I've been having panic attacks, blah, 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 blah. But they edited it all out and only said like, hey, life is, you know, life gets in the way. When can we have dinner? Mm-hmm. And basically they sanitized is what I call mm-hmm. it. Their story. They sanitized their journey. Yeah. And I just want to say to people listening don't sanitize your story. True friends, you're, you're like your true people. They cannot, if they're true, they cannot love you in pieces. Just like God doesn't love you in pieces. True mm-hmm. friends can't love you in pieces. Mm. And so you have to show up whole yes. as you are, all of you. And when they're real, they're going to love all of you. The good, the bad and everything in between. Yes, 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 yes. Y'all, this week's message has been brought to you by. This is yes. another past the collection plate. We're going to provide you with her details and how you can sow a seed here in a moment. <laughs> Listen, hey, I'll receive it. Okay. Hey. Yes. Oh, my goodness, Akia. Ooh, you have dropped some gems on us today. We are so appreciative of you sharing your story, like I said earlier, for being vulnerable and just sharing all the parts and just really empowering us to take the initiative to make sure that we are seeking help for ourselves. Um, And if not for ourselves, that we are supporting our family and our friends also in the process. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm just so excited about the work 
that you have um, that, that are currently in motion right now. Cannot wait to see um, how things grow. And we, Yana and I, want to be a part of your journey. So let us some way, form or fashion. I would be honored. I would be privileged to have you with me. I listen, <laughs> we can we can do a whole lot with the three of us. Yeah. My goodness. We might we might appear crazy on the show, yes. but I, I promise our background we're clear. <laughs> oh, I like a I like crazy. We got I a like crazy. Because see, I'm tamed for y'all. Mess. See, I'm tamed. I like crazy though. No, no, oh, okay. No, hold back listen, on this now. The only reason why I'm holding back is because you know I told y'all what, what my situation was before we got on air. So you know. <laughs> But when, right. when I'm when I'm all healed and recovered, oh, trust in me. Yeah, we I, I can get crazy. <laughs> we love it. We yeah. love it. That's the type of stuff <laughs> we love right there. Oh my goodness. Well, um, we are getting ready to bring our show to a close. However, be- before yes, yeah, you know, you know, you know just, black folks can't yeah. say bye, just bye. Yeah, you gotta ask <laughs> <laughs> no. They say bye at least four or five times. <laughs> And we got to get a petition a couple yeah. times. So we're just not opening the door. We ain't even made right. it outside the door yet. So we right there in the conversation. That's it. <laughs> we still got three rounds. Um, but before we let you go, what is your power word for 2020? We know how 2020 Ooh. is. Going, but uh, has there been a word for you that has helped through this interesting oh year? Goodness. Well, uh, can you make an exception? And can I do two? Because all right. Sure. So my two words are space and grace. If I had a tambourine, I would shake it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. Why are you this way? Space and grace. Space, space and, grace. and grace. I've had to give Woo. myself space and grace. Yes. I love that. Yes. I love that. Space and grace. And please make sure y'all keep me y'all space. Six okay. And, yes, okay. and don't sanitize your store, but sanitize everything else. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Not sanitize the now, but James, wash your hands. Please. Oh. So, Akia, are there any yes. new works or projects for 2020 or going into 2021 that um, you're working on or getting ready to kick off? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, always, right? Um, so you know, like I said, um, you can purchase Authentic You, which is what just which is what just came out. But then I am on the third manuscript right now. I have no idea what it's gonna be called, but just stay tuned with your girl. Um, because I guarantee it'll be something amazing. Um, and uh yeah, just follow me on Instagram at Akia Red. I'm always on there, popping up, um, keeping everybody, you know, up to date with what's going on. Perfect. That we were just going to ask you your handles. <laughs> that was our last question. How our listeners can connect with you. Y'all heard her. We'll make sure that we link all this information in our on our blogs, on our website. Sorry. And yeah, and it's still early, y'all. Sow a seed and, and, and give a gift to a friend <laughs> in need. Christmas is around the corner. <laughs> oh. Um, just check out. Uh, well, like, like Terry said, we'll have it all listed in the show notes. So, well, y'all are yeah. amazing. Thank you guys check for having me. Thank you for making me laugh so much on this rainy day in Columbus, Ohio. Y'all brought the sunshine to the gray. Oh, yay. <laughs> oh. Thank you so much, Kia. We we really oh, we, we ain't even say your full name. We I'm over here talking to you like we know each other. That's okay. That, that's, you that's, cut no, it down. Oh, you yeah, just know that just means that we are now past the formal stage because that's see that's what people you know they Kia Keys you know it's <laughs> that's how we and roll. I, it's all I didn't bat an eye. I was like, yeah, Kia. <laughs> you said Kia. I was like, Kia. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Don't bat eye because th- you you all good. Oh, uh, this was such a joy, such a joy um, in this season, this time. Thank you again for saying yes. And to our listeners, always, we want to thank you for always continuously um, joining us in our efforts in amplifying the beautiful voices of Black women. You know, it's Terry and I's aim to always share our lessons and celebrate our successes so um as well as the women that we bring on the show so thank you so so much for 
joining us in this journey. Um, I don't have anything else to say. Um, mm-hmm. I know we all got to probably wrap soon because we got to <laughs> get in this kitchen Thanksgiving tomorrow. Oh, yes. <laughs> but no. Um, but I don't know. Is there anything else you have, Tanya? No, I, this has been great. Um, I always love when, I don't know. I just love all our guests. You're amazing. This has been great. This has been, this has been great. This has been very warm. Welcome. Very welcome. Um, conversation today. Um, it's been a joy. It's been a pleasure to meet you today. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Likewise. Likewise. God is so amazing. All right. Well, guys, until next time. Melanate on that. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our chat today. Keep the conversation going by heading to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leaving us a review. Have a story of your own to share? Email us at info at melanatedconversations.com or connect with us on social media at Melanated Conversations. Till next time, keep raising your voice.